Welcome to His Hands, His Feet podcast. I'm your host, Kenneth Camp. The purpose of this podcast is to encourage and equip you to live a life on mission. I personally believe that each one of us has been given a reason, a purpose, a mission on this earth by God to live out for His glory. And there's many ways that you can do that. And so each of my episodes, many of them will be interviews of different people, will give you ways to live out a life on mission that I hopefully hopefully will encourage you to do that. And I'm very hopeful also that it will equip you to uh, move in one of those directions. In today's episode, I'm interviewing some good friends of mine that Daniel and I met back about 2006. They are missionaries serving in Thailand. Fred and Diane are originally from Canada. And as you will hear, I asked them a little bit about um, how they felt called into mission work. And this is a couple that had already lived um, life, had been successful at what they were doing in Canada, and later in life decided that they were being called to serve on the mission field. And so uh, this will be hopefully an inspiration to you if you are especially reaching a later stage of life that life's not over when you retire. And as you will hear from them, they really retiring is not uh, something that is an option for for us when we have a mission or purpose. Fred and Diane have been serving in Thailand for over 20 years, and Fred is currently, I think, 79 is what he he shared with us, Diane's 72, and they have adopted a a son who is Thai, and he is 12 years old. So there's a story in that of itself. But I do believe that as you listen to Fred and Diane share about not only their their passion, their history, why they went on the field, much of what they're doing in Thailand and have done, uh, that you will maybe be convicted a little bit, but I do know that you will be inspired. So will you join me as uh, we uh, hear from Fred and Diane? Hello, Fred and Diane. It sure is great to talk to you guys. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Ken. Nice to talk to you as well. Yeah, I love how our friendship has continued over the years, even though we're on opposite sides of the planet and don't get to see each other very often anymore. But thank you so much for staying in touch with me. Amen. Thank you, Ken. Um, I did want to begin this interview uh, by asking you guys to just tell us where you're from. And um, Fred, you want to give us a feel for, you know, where, what y'all's background, where you used to live or where y'all came from before you moved to Thailand? Okay, well, we came from Canada, of course, in January 1997. On the 15th of January, we landed in Bangkok, and we moved into a place called Siracha to help with a children's home and to establish a, a Bible school and a church. That was in 1997. 1997, so that's what, almost 20 years now? 20 years. Wow. Yeah, so, and have you been in Thailand that entire time since 1997, other than just visits back? Yes. Well, we, we stayed in Siracha for, for more than a year, and in January, February, March, our son died in Canada, and so we were back in Canada for three or four weeks, uh, and then we came back to Thailand, and we've been here ever since, except for short trips to USA and Canada. 
that's that's yes. true. Yeah, that's Big amazing. Wow. Yeah. Uh, uh, really amazing. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, tell share with us, uh, Diane. If you want to do this, this would be great. But what what gave you a sense, or how did you know that you were called to move to Thailand in '97? Well, when when we actually first visited Thailand. It was in 1995, and we came to temporarily parent a Christian children's home in Siracha. And during that time, the children's home did not have enough resources, enough food, enough money. And so we began to pray and followed some connections, you know, how God uses people to guide us. So I came to Padia which was about an hour away from Sircha, and began to meet people in the international community and tell them the story of the children's home. And so God built a wonderful network called Friends of El Shaddai. And while we were here, we raised about half of the support the children needed from right here, just by inviting people into the vision and ministry uh, getting to know the kids, telling the stories. And in that time, not only did God do a wonderful job for uh, the children's home that continued after we left, but he showed us that by that time, people from all over the world were coming to Patia to live and to work. Plus, it was also a huge tourist attraction area, being on the Bay of Siam. And it was in the um, beginning days of it becoming what it has been today, one of the sex trafficking capitals of the world. So all this was going on before my eyes. Hmm. And all I saw was that, number one, God's people were like sheep without a shepherd because all the ministries here were focused on the Thai people, which was right. Mm-hmm. But God called us back specifically to build an international ministry. And it made no sense to the people who were here because they wanted us to, if we're missionaries in Thailand, it should be to Thai people. Hmm. But God had a wisdom that was greater than anything we had. So we we just continued pursuing that that approach and uh, we were at the children's home for eight months and then uh, just over one year later we came back as full-time missionaries uh, beginning in Siracha but our end goal was this international missionary uh, ministry whatever it would look like and we were too afraid then to say we were going to plant churches I just wept continually for these people who were away from their homes and families from all over the world and they were living here and their lives were falling apart around them. The Christians that we did meet here knew nothing about the Holy Spirit of God and how to walk with him on a daily basis and and that he would do miracles and intervene and save us and gift us and change the world and so that's how it began that's really cool i'd forgotten that you yes i forgot that you guys have been there in 95 for just a little while and that's that's where god began to plant that seed and that's that's really neat to hear 
it makes me wonder, were you guys ever missionaries before 1997? Well, in uh, 90, uh, let me see, 87, we moved to the area of, of Lethbridge, Alberta, and Diane started going on short missionary trips. She went five different times on missionary trips, and I didn't go. I, I was quite content to stay home and let this cover me up. I wasn't going any place. Right. <laughs> True. I've heard that story a few times from other couples. <laughs> yeah. It's usually yeah. one or the other uh, will go on those trips, and the other one's like, I'm fine just staying home. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So no, I didn't, uh, go, I go didn't want to. I didn't want to go at all. So in um, 94, 94, we had a men's conference. There was over 200 men there, and I agreed to go and sit beside people that I didn't know and, and just take in. And this, this fellow spoke. Uh, he was from Memphis, Tennessee, Fred Bennett. And he, he put his hands on me as I went down for prayer afterwards, and I, I kept crying. And he said, you told God that you were going to do this and that. And he put that big finger in my face and said, you haven't done this and you haven't done that. And besides that, da da da, -da. And when I woke up off the floor, and was <laughs> around except a couple of fellas putting away their instruments. Next morning, at, at, at breakfast, I was sitting there having another coffee feeling really washed out and this fellow approached us and he was a missionary and he was a Canadian missionary in Thailand. He'd been here since 82 and he said, we have to send somebody to Thailand. We're having trouble with our children's home. And he says, I think it's you and Diane. Wow. Usually I said, send her. I don't want to go. I'm not going anyplace. If she wants to go, that's okay. But I'm not going. But I didn't say a thing because I knew God was saying something to me. So that was started in November, the end of November, 94. And we had to be here January 15th. I said, we'll never make it. Wow. But Diane, some other ladies started praying and we were here. Hmm. So that started us January, 1997. Do you mind me asking yeah. uh, how old you guys were in 95, 90, yeah, I guess 95, 97? Let me see, in 97, was I 60, I think. Hmm. So that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, I was quite content to stay in. Don't <laughs> <laughs> cover me up. But remember, you said, God, I don't want to be a missionary, but yeah. I want to make a difference. I want to do mm. something. Yep. I don't want to just die, and I've never changed my world. Wow. Um, Whereas on the other hand, I was out there even before I'd become born again. Uh, I knew the world was in big trouble and I felt pretty responsible to do something about it. Right. So I was very relieved to find out that God had taken care of that and that Jesus was on the job. <laughs> Otherwise, it was up to me, right? <laughs> yeah, we know how that goes when our spouse tries to change us, right? But, uh... Yeah. Well, tell me, um, what are some ways that you guys have ministered in Thailand since 1997? Okay, we um, we began by um, just praying and and 
and uh, reconnecting with people that we had met when we were here because we had um, established a really great network of, of people who were uh, born again believers that we had met in our uh, previous eight months here. Mm -hmm. So we began there. We had no money, so we began um, I mean, we, we paid for the plane ticket here, but and we had enough for our rent, 5000 baht, like 200 Canadian dollars a month, and that was it. Wow. So we wanted to eat. So we weren't discouraged. Um, we just began to teach English, and hmm. so we taught English forever. And within a year, we're ready with another couple from Canada who had joined us, uh, to hold the first service for what was then called Victory International Family Church in Padia. Mm -hmm. and, and so we did. And we were so far away from anyone and anything we knew that we just had to uh, open the Bible, read the red, and pray for power. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, if Jesus said to do it, get on it. And if he didn't say to do it, then you better be really sure. And if he said not to do it, you need to stay away with everything you've got. Mm -hmm. So um, it was very simple. God's people were called to walk in victory. We wanted to build an international ministry that would reflect Don Moen's song, you know, the one that said, Lord, I stand in the midst of a multitude of people from every tribe and tongue. I would walk and sing that song and my heart would ache for the nations that were there. Yeah. And so God just began December, no, January, January 98. 98 uh, we held our first service. There were about 11 people there. Mm -hmm. um, including all of us. Right. <laughs> so, so it was a very small visitors group. Um, but we began in a, a downtown in the center of the city hotel. And, and that was God's plan because the church is still in uh, a main hotel in the center of the city. So everyone can find us. And it's been 18 years now in January. That's yeah, great. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, we began making disciples um, of the nations because that's what Jesus said to do. And we began to pray that God would build a church that the gates of hell would not hold out against. So if we would make disciples, he would build the church out of us. Mm -hmm. And so with that desperate prayer, it began. And we have seen thousands of families go through our church because it's very transient. Right. Today, it's probably uh, one of the largest, strongest churches in the city. And we still make disciples here and they go back to their home mm -hmm. countries. After that is changed forever for um, lukewarm church. They insist on doing what Jesus said, pray for the sick, feed the hungry, visit the prison, and change your world. So that's what we do here now. That's fantastic. And 
for those that are not familiar with that area of Thailand, it really is an international melting pot, right? It's people from all over the world come to that that city or that area, as as you mentioned earlier. So it really. Um, so you guys are church planters. That's one of the big ways that you have ministered uh, in Thailand, and and. Uh, I know you've done some other things. You want to touch on those? Fred, you want to take a moment and touch on some other ways that you've ministered in Thailand? Shortly after the church started, uh, we had uh, we met this woman who had four children, and she didn't have a, a motorcycle. She had a bicycle, and hmm. she'd pull the little one around in this wagon, little wagon, <laughs> and she kept walking. And so that started our, our ministry to the poor. And pretty soon we were bringing her food and water almost daily. And then we started visiting other places. And very soon we had eight different slums that we were going to every week, hmm. water and food. And, and that started their ministry to the poor. And, and that yeah. has increased. Hmm. Yeah. We had, we've always had a lot of Filipinos in our church and, and loved them passionately. Mm -hmm. And they're hot-hearted people of Asia. Yes. <laughs> so one of our church members was singing. Their manager had not processed their work permit papers properly, so she was put in jail. Hmm. So um, that began our jail ministry. <laughs> and so we said, someone's got to go. Let's send Fred. <laughs> and of so, course I did not want to go. But by then he's a captive audience. <laughs> yeah. And the jail was close to where our office was, just about two blocks away. So yeah. pretty yeah. soon there's a couple of very friendly policemen in that jail, they guards and and so we had yeah. a, a ministry going that was very, very yeah. good. And you know, Ken, that everywhere they go, I might be a bit scary for people, but everyone loves Fred, and he's not a threat to anyone. So they all loved him, and he kept going back, and we found there were babies mm -hmm. in prison and illegal aliens and, and trumped-up charges, and it was a terrible, terrible place. But um, we went there, and we just loved it. We loved the prisoners from all over the world and we also love the policemen mm -hmm. they try in their best to it's like trying to care for a, a world of people with your eyes blinded and your hands tied of course they wouldn't be able to do a very good job right so we who can see in the dark as god's children can should be there helping them mm. And now a marvelous ministry has begun. We passed it on years ago to uh, Margaret Granger, mm -hmm. a brilliant Australian disciple. She now has her own foundation. They call it Hand to Hand. Yeah. And she's built an outstanding um, children's ministry network and prison ministry in the city. So we like to give birth to things and then I wait and pray for people to come along who just fit like a glove. So that was Margaret. Mm. That's yeah, that's fantastic. Now, I didn't know Margaret very well when we were there, but I do remember her and, and see her updates occasionally. Yeah, so she has a brilliant, outstanding ministry here now. Mm. 
she was our children's pastor for many years mm. um, and got baptized with the Holy Spirit and, and fire. The fire is important. Mm -hmm. And so we had to release her to follow her own calling God. And so we've seen the fruit that comes with letting people grow up when they're ready and not trying to hold on to them or keep them. So she has a brilliant ministry, and we're very grateful to God for for being a part of her history. Oh, you bet. No doubt. So as we were visiting those slums, with, with mostly with water, they did, had very poor water. Oh, mm -hmm. And uh, we, we started seeing all these children, and I said, well, we didn't, don't want a children's home, do we? But we did. And pretty soon we had five little orphans yeah. in our children's home. Five. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. In your <laughs> home. Answers, yeah. <laughs> all small. All yeah. small. So then we we set up because you know in Canada I was a child care worker and social worker. So I, I thank God that he was guiding me even before I knew that. Mm. So he had equipped me for this, at least in, in the natural sense. So uh, we did a survey of the city and found out um, what life is like for all the kids. <coughs> Pardon me, what their, uh, some of them, what their background and history was. And we targeted the kids who uh, were part of families that lived in these slum areas that the parents were unable or unwilling to care for them. There were also kids gangs, which were uh, a different kind of game. There were children being trafficked here by uh, other groups, and that was another group. But we targeted these kids who um, just wandered the streets. And then they would connect us back to their families in the slums. And we learned how to recognize the poor, how to find them. And one of the things that Mercy has always done uh, distinctly different is we went searching for them. Mm. Right? God came to our world. He didn't uh, wait and give us a ticket to heaven. He came here. So we went there yeah. because the poorest of the poor are always afraid right. and ashamed. Yeah. And they're not going to come to you unless they know your love is unconditional. So we began to go to them and it just grew. Boy, did it. That's so good. Yeah. You've, yeah. you've said so many profound things. I'm going to have to go back and listen to this again. <laughs> but that is good. In fact, uh, you mentioned the name of that children's shelter was Mercy Center. And yes, that, that was actually the um, original connect that Danielle and I had with you guys. Was That's right. That's yeah. right. But I also That's did some prison ministry right. alongside Fred a little bit while we lived there. And, and, uh, of course, we did yeah, some stuff good. in the slums. Yeah, so all good. Uh, yes. Yeah, and it allowed the church can to do what Jesus said to do. Yeah. And when you're praying for the sick, God who wants to heal the sick will flow through you. And when He does, it's like Christmas every day. <laughs> And then people learn that this is what our life is supposed to be like. Yes. That should not be unusual. Yes. And people begin to taste that and experience that, then it's addictive. Mm -hmm. You want to live that way. 
and then uh, through the church and our life groups, then we teach them how, mm. right? And so we've had hundreds of people uh, born again or recommit their lives to Christ, not through the church, but through the work of mercy. Mm -hmm. God will use whoever goes. Yes, I so agree with that. Yeah, he will. And so we've seen people who you can see God is calling them into the kingdom. They just don't know who he is yet. And when they pray and God's love pours through them, they they are just putty in his hands. Hmm. And then we say that is what we're talking about. And you don't have to convince them. They felt it. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And they want to stay. They've experienced what uh, they learn and hear from God's word. That's, what, that's yeah. exactly what I see. Thank you for sharing yeah. that very much. So, in fact, Danielle and I were just talking about that yesterday. It's actually a common conversation that we have often. Yeah. The church in the Western world is desperately hungry to be able to do what Jesus said to do. And the Western world has got more and more complicated and so the gifts and the passion that God intended should pour out to the poor and the lost are consumed on ourselves. And, and that was never God's plan. Hmm. It's, a, it's a misappropriation of heavenly resources. <laughs> right? Yes, I totally <laughs> agree with you. <laughs> yeah. So now we've, we've passed on senior leadership of our churches. We now have four hmm. international churches, and every one of them are like what we describe. Hmm. They're passionate, they love God, they make disciples, they search for ways to find the poor who live among them and care for them. And we have a, the same uh, heart in the Thai church, and, um, and new international pastors who have taken over. So now we're like grandparents. We still preach and teach. We still uh, are responsible before God to be making disciples. Uh, but we're called apostolic elders, but it's not a title we put on a business card. Right. It's just something that we do. Sure. And we passed on senior leadership of mercy two years ago, mm -hmm. and they're doing the same. And we just walk with them, encourage them pray with them, cheer them, tell their stories. Now, Ken, did you see our children's home out there in the Pong District, the new house? You know, it's been a while since I've seen an update about that, but I, I knew that you'd moved it out there. I haven't seen it in in person, but I've seen, I've seen photos and I've seen some updates from you guys about it. Yeah. In the, in the first years, Kim, we used to write a mission letter, a report letter, an update every month. But as the ministry grew and grew and grew, we still only had 24 hours in a day. Oh, I hear you. So, so the poor were first. Mm -hmm. And disciples was first. And very sadly, our own communication is what suffered the most. Um, and, and that's never good, but that's why there hasn't been so much so now we would like to get back to finding ways to tell the story again 
because other people can do what we do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, that's why I want to help get the word out. Absolutely. Um, I think we've pretty much covered the different ways that you're ministering there. I'm saying that like it's, oh, yeah. You know. <laughs> but you guys, what I appreciate about you both is that you just allow God to show you what the need is, and then you respond. And then that's where ministries respond from, through what Amen. God's doing in you. And so thank you for what you do. Um, we want, have a final new chapter, Ken, that I just want to yeah. put in that we just call equip. Because God said that the fivefold ministry gifts were to equip the church to do the work. I think we haven't, as a church, understood what that should look like. So this new chapter, we've given over leadership of the ministries, so we are free now to focus entirely on equipping hmm. and helping other, other churches, other believers, other ministries to get fully equipped and to move out in God's passion and purpose for their lives, how to how to find resources, how to write out the vision, uh, how to establish deep roots so when the storms come, they won't take you out. Right. Things like that. Absolutely, that's good. That's really good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We love it. Yeah. We're not done. Oh, I know you're not done. <laughs> what uh, yeah. I did want to make sure we included, and I will. You know, I'm going to ask you to share on this podcast, but then I'm going to make sure it's in the show notes on my website where people can okay. get yeah. the, get the information. But how can listeners get in contact with you, learn more about what you're doing in Thailand, uh, how they can support you prayerfully and financially? What are what are some ways that they can do that? Well, we have um, Living Word Missions in the U.S. out of Boston, close to Boston. Uh, and uh, let me see. We have an email address. What is our email? So, address? so people could go to the website livingwordmissions.org. Simple, and it's a, a brilliant, a brilliant cover ministry for missionaries like us around the world who are not connected to any big missions organizations. Mm -hmm. Just answering the call. So they can go to that website and find us under Thailand. And we're going to begin to do more reporting through their uh, blog page and newsletters and etc. And you can give financially through there. Um, our personal email address is F is in Fred, D is in Diane, Dell, D-O-E-L-L, at gmail.com. So they can email us and learn more. Fantastic. And as I learn more, and I'm learning from you, Ken, as I learn more, then uh, people will be able to find us more easily. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's very good. Well, yeah. well Fred is, or, and Diane, either one, is, yeah. are there some specific ways that, that uh, people can be praying for you right now? Are there things that, that you feel comfortable sharing on this podcast that's so, hey, will you pray for this or pray for us about this? Oh, I can't think of anything yeah. in particular. Uh, you know, um, 
as we're getting older, this is a good place to retire. <laughs> Fortunately, older, we're, yeah. we're, we're close to the ocean and, the, and a good beach. Yeah. So we can go yeah. walking on the sand quite often every day. Yeah. But um, for listeners to know, Fred is um, 78 and I am uh, 79. 79. <laughs> and so that makes me 72. <laughs> And you cannot look by appearances because we are far from done. And retire only means change tats. If, if we are retired, then we are in even better position to be about God's kingdom business. Right? And oh, so yes. being retired is no excuse. And I, I do want to tell all the listeners that when people say sometimes to us, well, how could you have done all this? How did this all happen? I, I like to go back to the beginning and say, if it's really, really, really dark, you don't have to be very bright. You just have to show up. <laughs> and yeah. if you don't show up, nothing's going to happen. Mm. And I just read yesterday in a Christmas devotional that God uses the night mm. to show the glory of his stars. And we're not stars, but we do carry the light. Mm -hmm. And because we showed up, and yes, it costs something, but what a small price to pay when we get to walk with him and his love pours through our lives and in the process, it spills over on us, right? Oh, yeah. And so, wow, mm -hmm. we get to be part of all of this. There's nothing like this on the earth. And so I want to encourage people to just find that dream in their heart and, and just find a way to show up somewhere. Show up in a hospital, show up in a prison, show up in the children's home, show up somewhere. Hmm. But, but don't just sit there thinking your destiny is going to find you. It is calling you, and God will open doors no one can shut. But they do have to show up. So, so if, if anybody's praying for us, they that we just need to keep our strength up. Yeah. Yes. God strengthens yeah. us. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. If we have our strength, we can go from day yeah. to day. And we do have a 12-year-old Thai adopted son. That's right. Who came to us at seven weeks old, as you know. Mm -hmm. um, in school years, we became aware of some uh, developmental issues that he inherited from his birth mother's very poor lifestyle. Right. And so we are facing those head on. Hmm. Um, it takes a lot of extra resources to provide the, the special things that he needs to work through this stuff. So he has a, a, a lot of special needs. So uh, pray for finances that God will make a way. And as we learn what we can do for him, I... I know my heart is stirring to say, okay, we need to find other developmentally challenged kids with uh, similar, uh, we'll say, problems that they didn't do anything wrong. They inherited it, but God has a way for them to shine. So I want to do something. I don't know what yet, right. something. 
Right. So pray for us and finances are good because now we're not doing the church. People think, oh, you're retired. You're coming <laughs> home. No, probably not. <laughs> we need to be here and change hats. Right? Well and, said. Well said. Yes. Uh, and again, those are listening, I'm going to make sure that it's easy to access the contact information that, that Diane and Fred just shared with you. And it'll be on my website. And I'll give you in just a moment how to uh, reach that. But thank you again so much, Fred and Diane, for taking time to uh, do this interview with me and just share from your heart the passion that you have and what God's doing. Amen. Wonderful. Thank you again. Our pleasure. Love to Daniela and the family. Absolutely. I sure will. And listen, your book is brilliant. Thank Just you. Just so people know they need to read your book. I haven't finished it, but I've started it. And you deal masterfully with really major issues that uh, could be complicated, but you make them easy to understand. Thank you so much, Diane. And God bless. God bless. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Right. Well, you can't say that I didn't warn you. I really could have sat and talked to them for, for quite a long time, um, you know, just talking to especially the ones that we know personally and well. Uh, it's good to, to hear from them and talk to them and, and to catch up. I know that you were inspired that by uh, their passion for the work that they have been doing and, and continue to do. And I want to encourage you, again, if you are at a stage in your life to where maybe you're thinking about what's next, that you will uh, take to heart the things that they shared. As I promised, I will have on my website in the show notes a way that you can get in contact with Fred and Diane, whether it to be to talk specifically about that. You know, how uh, would someone uh, that's later in life, maybe uh, soon to retire from a career and looking at going into the mission field, um, if they have some insight in that, which I know they do, but also how you can support them through prayer and fin financially and other other ways, the projects that they're doing, you can support as well. So that'll be on my show, on my webpage, uh, on, in the show notes, and you can access that if you're listening to this podcast via iTunes or some other way. Uh, just go to kennethacamp.com slash episode 10. That is kennethacamp.com slash episode 10, and that'll take you straight to the page that has the show notes and also this podcast. So thank you again for joining me here at His Hands, His Feet.